podcast dedicated to all my fellow teachers out there who are trying to balance the many demands placed on a contemporary educator. I'd like to acknowledge that I live on the traditional territories of the Lekwungen-speaking peoples on the Esquimalt and Songhees nations. I wanted to talk about being a counselor or becoming a therapist. I get asked quite a lot because I'm, I'm a teacher and that was my first practice. And then I went on to do a master's in counseling psych. I get asked a lot by both students and colleagues and other folks out there what it takes to be a counselor and there's a lot of interest in doing this line of work. Let me start by saying, if you want to be a counselor, do it. Like there is never too many people who can see the world as a counselor sees the world. And I say that because um, counseling training really changes a person and and it forces you to look at yourself, it forces you to look at your relationships and forces you to see people in a really different way. And I think that's really healthy. And I also think that the more people who can see others' struggles the way that we're trained to as counselors, the more compassion there can be. So if you wanna be a counselor, by all means go for it. But there is a caveat to that. And that's kind of what I'm here to talk about. I see a lot of folks who want to become a counselor because they have their own history of trauma and they may or may not have done the work to work through that trauma before deciding to become a counselor. And so I caution people against going into a counseling program prior to addressing their own trauma and their own experience because you will be forced to once you're in a counseling program. And I don't mean that in a scary or intimidating way. I just mean that if you want to get the most out of the experience and the most out of the program, you need to know yourself and you need to be willing to do some of that digging. And sometimes that digging is really uncomfortable. And sometimes you're faced looking at somebody else's presenting concern and seeing your own in them. And you need to be able to navigate that in a way that is healthy for both of you so that you're not projecting and so that you're not putting your client in a position of vulnerability or really jeopardizing their care and their support. So those are some of the things that I'm just gonna touch on. This isn't gonna be a very long episode. It's just if you are thinking that this might be the line of work for you, whether you want to become a teacher counselor or whether you want to pursue private practice or even like public counseling work. My objective here is just to give you my perspective on it for what it's worth. Uh, Maybe nothing, but um, just kind of what I found while going through the process and what I kind of wish I'd done differently if I had it to do over again. So to start, my background, if you don't know, is in theater. I did an undergraduate degree in, in fine arts and theater and focused specifically on applied theater, which is theater for extra theatrical purposes or community development, um, social justice, and education. I then went on to complete my Bachelor of Education degree and become a teacher. Getting a teaching job in the first couple of years uh, in Victoria is near impossible, so I thought, well, what better time to start a master's degree When I'm only working as a substitute teacher, I don't have any lesson planning or unit planning to do. I don't have any marking to do. I may only be working some half days, lots of time to get work done. All of that ended up being true. So I'm really glad that I started when I did, but that also meant that I was starting when I was like 21. And 
I'm so glad I did. But it also meant that my lived experience was pretty minimal. And I was in a program with a lot of folks who were quite a bit older than me. Most were ranging from their mid to late 20s all the way through to their like 50s. And my lived experience as a 21-year-old really didn't come into play in my practice. And um, that was more or less because I, um, I didn't have a lot of lived experience. And so when I caution people about getting into counseling, I'm not, and I, and I say to them, you know, you really have to make sure you do your own deep digging and trauma work first. I say that because I didn't do that work first. And I regret not having done that work first because if I had gone in with a better understanding of who I was, I would have also understood how different my relationship to the world would be when I came out the other side of a counseling program. That's the next thing I'm just going to talk about. When you go into a counseling program, whether it's a master's in counseling or um, a master's of arts in counseling psych, you are asked to do a lot of self-reflection. And we often think of self-reflection, I mean, both of my undergraduate degrees were a lot of self-reflection. So when I thought self-reflection, I kind of thought perspective on what we were reading or what we were discussing. And really, a counseling program, when they say self-reflection, they mean internal self-reflective work. And while you're doing all of this academic work, you're also having to understand and relate to the academic work in a way where you're starting to see your blind spots, the areas in which you have been judgmental or critical of folks who are struggling, the areas in which you really didn't know what you thought you knew, and it really blows up your relationships. That was the other thing I kind of wish I had known going in. When you are asked to challenge the world around you in this way and and look at systemic issues in a much deeper capacity and the ways in which the systems really manipulate and create uh, disorders, then you're all of a sudden seeing yourself as part of that system. And that can be a very difficult reality. And uh, it's an important part of that journey and part of that process, but it, it is also a bit disheartening. And you start to see all of the ways that you've screwed up in your life in the past. And I say that kind of jokingly, but also not because we've all done things that we regret. But when you go through a master's in counseling, you start to see all the ways in which you mistreated people that didn't seem like mistreatment at the time the ways that you behaved where you weren't seeing the other person for who they were. And that can be a really difficult revelation. If you're going into a counseling field, you often think that you're a very compassionate individual and chances are you are a very compassionate and caring and warm individual. And so to have to look at these instances from your past in which you weren't as compassionate as you thought you were, or you didn't do things the way that you wish you had, that can be a challenge. Then comes your relationships and you start to see how other people function within those relationships. And unless the person that you're with, your partner, if you have a partner or your friends, are going through a similar process of self-discovery and really blowing up their understanding of systems and the world, you might be changing your perspectives and growing at a rate that they're not. 
And that can be a frightening revelation as well. When you come into it and you realize that the reason folks are homeless and the reason that there are addictions and the reason that there are all of these different mental health diagnoses, it has little to do with innate and inherent ways of being, but a lot to do with how folks are um, positioned in our society and the the privilege that some folks have over others and um, how challenging it is to unlearn some of the things that we've grown up understanding. And I, I remember hearing so much as a kid that when people are on the streets, well, they have just as much opportunity to get a job as we do. Well, that's just not true. That's just not true. And although I knew that going into my master's in counseling, I would hope that my teaching degree would teach me those things, and it did, you don't realize the level at which people are suffering. And you don't really have as much opportunity to dig at those layers of suffering that people are exposed to and the resulting um, diagnoses. It's often really easy to take for granted that a mental health diagnosis is an illness. And as much as I agree with that on to some extent, for sure, I also think it's missing part of the puzzle. And when I say that, what I mean is cancer is something that can affect anyone, absolutely anyone. And the rates of cancer in some folks, of course, and demographics are higher than in others, but it can affect anybody because it's a true, it's a true disease. It's, it's not something that, that you can avoid just because you have a lot of money. Mental health, on the other hand, is different. When we look at mental health as, a, as solely being a disease, we negate the systemic factors necessary to create that disease and that illness. It's not something that is born from within a person. It's much larger than that. And we have to look at the disproportionate rate at which it infects some people instead of others. And so this is where I think your, your counseling degree can really blow things up for you because it makes the world harder to look at in a lot of ways. And that's a good thing. Absolutely, that's a good thing because that's the work that we have to do and um, like we need to be able to dismantle those systems. And I think that's really important. And I think the more we can have those conversations with our peers and our colleagues, whether they're counselors or not, uh, I think is crucial. But... When you're doing that work at such a, an intense rate, at such a dramatic rate, and you're seeing it firsthand, because chances are if you're doing a master's degree, you're also working somewhere at the same time, it can be exhausting and the burnout is real. Those are some of the things that I caution people when they start to go into this work. Um, do I think that it is some of the most rewarding work you will ever do? Absolutely. Do I regret having my blinders taken off while I was in, um, in school? Absolutely not. Like, I think it's really, really important, particularly, and I've mentioned, you know, my background before, but, uh, I'm an extremely privileged person. Like I, I have all of these systems working for me and it would be really easy and comfortable to keep our blinders on, but that's not the kind of system or world that we really should be wanting to live in and that's not the kind of world we should try to pay for our students or our children. So I do encourage you to pursue that ambition if it's there, but also know what you're getting yourself into. The other thing that I wanna highlight is that 
when you go into a master's in counseling, and this is specific to teachers who are looking to possibly pursue this as their master's degree, you're going to see a lot of the flaws in the way that some of your colleagues choose to work. When I say flaws, I, I don't mean that they're bad teachers. I just mean that some of the strategies that they employ may not be ones that you would endorse any longer. So you have to be really mindful because it can be a little like walking on a minefield. You'll start to see how some of these strategies can be unhelpful in a classroom and, and unhealthy for, for young people. And you have to be mindful that your collegial relationships are really important too. So you don't want to become like that person. And I've risked becoming that person and have been that person where I've um, called it out in a way that maybe wasn't helpful or wasn't useful and really had to like get a full step ladder to help me down off my high horse. So I just caution you with that too. The other thing that I would, I would just kind of encourage you to pay attention to is that when you're doing your family of origin work, and you will be asked to do that while you do your master's of counseling. I, I mean, I would imagine that you would, we had to do it. It becomes really easy to start to tease apart your entire history and to self-analyze a, a little too much. And all of a sudden you think you have all these insights about why you are the way you are now. It can disrupt the relationships you have with your parents. It can disrupt the relationships that you have with other family members, longtime friends, things like that, because you start to see unhealthy dynamics emerge. But you have to remember, even as you're doing that work, that it's not helpful to you or to anyone to hold a lot of resentment and um, frustration towards those people. It's uh, an important practice to start looking at how to forgive and how to move on. And Dr. Martin Brokenleg, who is a, a pretty brilliant uh, indigenous man here in Canada, he basically said, forgiveness isn't for the other person. Forgiveness is for me. And this is what he said when he talked about residential schools and the the cultural genocide that our, our Canadian government committed against the indigenous folks, what is now Canada. He said, forgiveness isn't for the other person. Forgiveness is for me. And when I forgive colonization and the government, I'm not forgiving and forgetting what happened. I am instilling a sense of peace in myself. Uh, forgiveness is my process and it is for me. And I think that's important to remember when you're going through your counseling degree and you are doing that family of origin work and you're blowing things up in your relationships that you need to find a way to, um, to live with that new knowledge that you have a new understanding of yourself. And that can be a difficult place to sit. The other thing is to not use the practice that you're doing in your counseling degree as your own therapy. You need your own therapist. These are other folks who are also training and as much as it can be helpful to get stuff off your chest and it can feel emotional and you can feel a burden lifting, a one you know, 20 minute videotaped session that you submit to your professor isn't enough therapeutic work. So I'm just going to encourage you that as you go through your degree, you find a counselor of your own who is in the community registered and has their own uh, practice. That helped me immensely when I got into my second year because I couldn't really figure out why I was having such a hard time letting things go and shaking things off. And the reality is, is that I had a lot of therapeutic work that I needed to do. Kind of like I said, at the start of this, I was 
a kid basically you know like I, I started really young didn't have a lot of lived experience and realized I had a lot of trauma that I hadn't sorted through when I got my counselor I noticed I was able to actually do a lot of the meaningful work a lot more academically and be a lot more insightful and learn a lot more from the content of the courses when I wasn't inserting myself into them and trying to therapize myself for lack of a better term Um, The other thing that I would encourage you to do before you get started is to really already know the demographic that you want to work with. Whether this is youth, whether it's with aging populations, whether it's with grief and loss, you want private practice, you want couples therapy, whatever it is that you want to do, have a really strong sense of what it is that you want to do before you go in because that will help you immensely as you go through all of the learning, you can tailor all of your learning to be as specific to that as possible. I knew that I wanted to do drama therapy work with young people, so that was what I focused everything I could on, and it helped me immensely. Those are the kinds of things that I suggest you consider. Um, It's not an easy degree for a lot of different reasons. It is really intense, it can be really emotional, it can be extremely draining, Um, but it can also be really rewarding and it will change you. I promise you that it will at your foundation, at your core, at your cellular level, it will change who you are as a person. And if you're ready for that, then I say absolutely go for it. Uh, If it frightens you good because it should, but that it also shouldn't deter you. So if you have any questions about what my process was like, how I, how I managed it, what that looked like, what I'm doing with it now, please feel free to reach out. You can find me at thecontemporaryeducator.com or you can find me on Instagram at teach.emote.repeat. I really hope to hear from you. And if you do decide to embark on this journey, good luck.